Welcome to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. I'm your host, Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a Bible teacher, a coach, and I'm obsessed with helping women take their place in the kingdom and use their God-given gifts. I go and tell gals, we equip and encourage women with different tools like our Map to More guide, our group coaching program, Go Teams, and even by training other women as coaches through our licensing program. Whether you're a college student, a stay-at-home mom, a small business owner, an astronaut, or a veterinarian, our goal is that you leave this episode feeling more empowered to do what God has called you to do. We're so glad you're here and we're on your team. Let's jump into this week's episode. All right, gals, we are here with my friend, Nicole. I just told her I didn't want to say a single word until we hit record because I have so many questions I want to ask her, but I wanted you guys to be able to hear them all. Nicole, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you are one of my favorite people on the planet to talk to. So this was such a joy. Literally same. Okay. I want to just immediately talk about what if it's wonderful. I want you to tell everybody about this book, but I do want to just say before you say a word about it, I want people to know it is actually the book we need. When you first told me about it, I said, this is the book we need. I have read it. I have literally just gotten my copy in my hands and I am ready to read it again because I read the digital copy first. Will you just tell everybody about this book and how it came to be? Yes. Well, you're a special part of the story for many reasons. This was stirring in my heart when we spoke two years ago. You know, I had just come out of a season. I don't think our seasons are ever all pain or all joy, but certainly sometimes they lean in one direction or another. And I was emerging from a season that could largely be characterized by change and loss. And it took me a long time to realize that that part of the cost of the loss for me, and the cost meaning the impact to our sense of identity or sense of safety, was that my joy was accompanied by a lot of fear. And I realized that a lot of the loss that I had experienced in this last season was not just the loss itself, but my inability to embrace joy and to celebrate what God was doing in my heart and in my life. And so this was stirring for me. And I remember when you and I talked on our last episode, you ended the conversation. I don't remember if we were on air or not, but you said how can I be praying for you? And it just flew out of my mouth and almost surprised me. And I said, just that I would have the courage to celebrate. And your eyes got really big. (laughs) And you said, I think that's your next book. And I said, yeah, I, I think you might be right. And so then followed, you know, a ton of research in scripture and the neuroscience in, in terms of what it means to celebrate and what does God say about that in all kinds of seasons. Yeah. I'm just so curious, like the writing of this book, what would you say the effect was on your life? Just the writing of it. You know, I I think it changed the way that I see. It changed my vision. So, so many things. It's like I have a thousand answers coming to the forefront of my head. But, 
It was an interesting time to write this book, but in many ways, the perfect time because so often we consider celebration to be a reward that we get to enjoy on the other side of the realization of a dream or the achievement of a goal or some sort of shift in our circumstances, right? And at the same time, the world felt like it didn't have a quote-unquote reason to celebrate because we were all living stories that in some way, shape, or form, we would have written differently for ourselves. And I actually love that because our reasons for celebrating are not gone. They are just leaning toward what matters most and and the eternal aspects of this life and leading us more toward the heart of God. And I think that's what it did for me personally is it reorganized what I love. You know, I realized a lot of my disappointment that I experienced in life was, yes, a little bit because of a no or some missed opportunity or missed expectation, but a lot of it was because I was expecting more joy from the gift than it was meant to give. And what I celebrate has completely changed. And when we celebrate God, we will experience joy. And so those are the main things that it did in my heart. But gosh, I could go on and on about that answer. Yeah. I just want to say, even from afar, I see it. I see it in you like 110%. I have no, I just stand by that. Like, I feel like I see the celebration and the joy and the ease and the peace. Here's the piece that I told you, like after I read the first manuscript or the whatever I read just a little bit ago, (laughs) I told you, I think that what hit me most is that I actually think that celebration would have strengthened me for the pandemic. I think that the pandemic really was for so many of us, like jokes aside, like 2021, 2020, like now even 2022, you know, all bets are off. And I think for me, it was such a, are you ready in and out of season moment? Like, are you ready for this? Will, when the rains come and the storm comes and the wind blows, like, will your house stand? And for me, the answer was at moments like, no, my faith was actually not strong. I was just kind of undone by the stress of it and the stress of leadership through such unprecedented times, but I actually believe that what would have strengthened me, what was most missing from my faith, and I'm already a girl who I would say celebrates pretty, it's a rhythm for me, but I think what was missing for me was expectation, like expectancy and like rhythms of celebration and joy and reading your book really reminded me that. So my next question is, how have you seen it impact some of your readers? Like, what are you hearing from women? Oh, I love that question because it's one of my favorite gifts in writing a book is getting to little glimpses when God allows us to see of all the ways that he's using the words that he gave me to move in the stories of other people. It's funny that you that you say that that was your experience in reading it because I would see, I would say that's definitely been a theme. This new idea because we tend to see joy and celebration especially as a little bit like dessert 
you know, nice to have, but not essential to the Christian life, not a rhythm, not a discipline. But in Nehemiah 8.10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, not the grit, not the hard work, not the the pain. And I'm a therapist. I will sit in that pain all day long. I <laughs> That is where I am very comfortable. But it actually says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the number one feedback just from a 30,000 foot view that I get is, oh my goodness, I had no idea how much I needed this book. Because I think a lot of us are walking around unaware of how timid we are to fully embrace the joy of the Lord, to fully embrace celebrating as a rhythm in our life, either because we're afraid that the other shoe is going to drop, we're waiting for a reason to celebrate because we've so narrowed the definition of celebration to be a reward and not a rhythm of remembrance. Sadly, I think, you know, we've considered self-celebration to be self-aggrandizing or we're not sure how to do it in community when people are living different kinds of stories at different times. And the part that saddens me the most as I considered my own hesitation and also readers' hesitation around celebration is I didn't have a context for what it looked like to engage with God in the light of my joy. I was so clear on what it felt like to draw near to Him in my pain. And the relationship I had with God in the dark was really precious to me, so much so that it made me hesitant to step into the light because even growing up in the church my whole life, I was not sure what intimacy with God or pursuing the heart of God looked like when that desperation, that emotional desperation wasn't there. And a lot of readers have said the same thing, that you know they're, they're more aware of what it looks like to get on their knees before God when they're knocked off their feet and not so much in the light of their joy. So a lot of us, I think, are very unaware of how much fear is accompanying our celebration and our joyful seasons. Yeah. It's interesting. I am really, really obsessed with that passage in Nehemiah that you referenced. And I think it is just one of the most interesting sections of the Bible. I mean, so applicable for culture today, you know, as we're talking about people coming back from exile, like they're coming back from something horrific and hard. They're rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And then they are literally like basically told to celebrate and they go through all these like feasts and observations. Maybe I'll remember, I can't remember if Nehemiah 8 is right before or right after they do like corporate confession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. It's either right before, or right after. He's basically like everybody repent. Yes, <laughs> like everybody repent. Like we've just come back. We've built the wall. We're here. We're back in our city now. Everybody repent. And then he's like, but do not be sad. The joy of the Lord. Like go to your places and celebrate. And I'm like, whoa. that is culture building. Like, that's it. That's it. And I think you're so right in saying, I just feel like in general, I pray that one thing that will have shifted in as a culture and specifically as a Christian culture since 2020 is that we can be people who hold both 
And I feel like pre-2020, there was this disdain for people who celebrated a lot and this like misunderstanding that maybe if you spent time in celebration or if you exhibited joy that you were shallow or that you couldn't look at hard problems. And likewise, I feel like on the other side, we kind of like poo-pooed on people who lament well, you know, and we're like, oh pull yourself up. Like it, everything's going to be fine. And I hope that moving forward, we can see like we were built for both. We were built to lament and we were built to celebrate, you know? Yeah. And don't we see that in the Psalms, just the honesty in both directions and extreme language. I love, I love how heightened the emotion is in both directions. And I couldn't agree more. I, I really hope in our celebration that we can pull out of this mentality of toxic positivity where it has to be one or the other. We we think that celebration is somehow going to cancel painful feelings or painful realities. And on the other side, that if there are painful realities that we are unable to acknowledge anything good or or God's movement in our hearts and our stories. But can we just be a people marked by celebration in that we can hold both as true? We can look, you know, stare that pain in the face and and acknowledge the gravity of it and also be a people who know that what is dark today is not going to be dark forever and that the kingdom of God is here and to celebrate who God always has been and who he is and who he will continue to be. So good. What are some like immediate tips or logistical thoughts you have for women who are like, okay, I don't celebrate at all. I need to get the book, but you're talking to me. What do I need to do? Like, what are some of those like small things you would just tell them to start with? Yes. So If that's you, like it was me, (laughs) and you're raising your hand here, I'm definitely going to point you to that last third of the book. I want to share a favorite practice here. But if you want more information on that, just at the outset, I would point you to that last section. But my favorite place to start is the practice of savoring. And to really appreciate why this is so important, I think we need to look at what's going on in the brain, at least a little bit of what's going on in the brain, because we're not fighting on neutral ground. There's this thing called the hedonic treadmill that means basically that our brain rapidly adapts to joy. So what might be new and exciting and maybe the gift that would make you want for nothing else in this life, or so you thought, your brain rapidly adapts to it. That joy quickly fades into the background of normal. Secondly, our, most people are familiar with this, but it's worth mentioning anyway, that painful information is just stickier in our brain than pleasant or joyful information. So practically what that means is that your brain is efficient. It's only going to hang on to what it thinks it needs. And it's going through your day dismissing and, and bypassing all those delightful moments of growth and connection and beauty in your life and dismissing it as unimportant. And then the third thing that I'll mention is just our tendency to tell our joy 
how it can be improved upon. So, you know, maybe we completed a project or gave a presentation that we just felt really great about and there were some head nods in the audience and maybe some people said some kind things when we finished on our way back to our seat and we sit down and we feel really great and then all of a sudden we think, well, it would have been better if I had said this. Or they said I was a good speaker, but they didn't say I was a great speaker. And we just start criticizing the joy that we felt initially. So all this to say, left on neutral, your brain leans very negative. And the reason I love this practice of savoring is A, it's doable regardless of what kind of season you're living right now and regardless of what kind of day you're having. But B, it is our way of retraining our brain, creating new neuropathways against some of those natural dynamics. And what savoring does is it celebrates the ordinary. And the way that you do it, I love doing it in the present moment when I can catch myself just having this ever so fleeting moment of joy, I pause. Some people like to do this at the end of their day as a reflection exercise, but basically you take a snapshot, like a photograph, fleeting moment. Just ask your five traditional senses what they're going to remember about that moment. So what do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you taste? And what do you feel? And what that does is it captures that moment, puts it in a special part of your brain where you can carry it forward and recall it later. And it changes the way you go through your day. Yeah. Man, I love science. (laughs) And I love that. And I love that. He just made our brains to be so, so helpful in pressing forward in this way. I'm just so incredibly grateful and I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for this book. <laughs> Thank you. Oh God, seriously so helpful. So, okay, here's another question I have. What would you say to someone, you and I both know, and actually I've talked about it recently on the podcast, most recently in our Boundaries episodes, I was talking to Sharia Calabras and we were talking about being people who share information online and how people always want to ask for 18 million different caveats. Like, well, what what, what about this? And what would you say about this? I just want to recognize I'm doing that, but I'm doing that for our (laughs) listeners who might discount herself from this. But what would you say to the gal, which I just know you have so much wisdom for, who's like, I'm in a pit, forget about it. I see my own therapist. This is not the season. There's nothing good about right now. This is why I'm so grateful it was you and it had to be you that wrote this book because you are such a gifted and thoughtful and deep actual therapist who helps women in actual and men in actual pain points that are, you know, irreconcilable. So yeah, what would you say to her? Yes, I really understand that and found myself felt that I was disqualified from celebration for many, many years. And I would have picked up my book and saw What If It's Wonderful with confetti on the cover and said, that looks like a really great book, but maybe for another season. And if that is you, I want to gently press this book into your hands all the more. 
if I can do that, because this is every bit as much for you, if not more, as someone who maybe has felt like they're looking in on celebration with their nose pressed against the glass. I think the question is, what does celebration look like when I don't feel like rejoicing? And it's one of the reasons I made the cover of the book dark (laughs) is because I wanted to try to capture the reality of both. I love books like this, but this wasn't going to be a book with, you know, rainbows and sunshine all over the cover. I, I wanted to invite both realities because that's where we live, right? Always in the tension of the two. And I was confronted with this in my own life just a few weeks ago, actually, when our community was just sideswiped by this tragedy, horrific car accident, and a lot of really sad news came out of that day. And the weather in Connecticut was horrible that day. And I found myself drawn to the shoreline all day long to pick up sea glass. Like I just, I I couldn't shake this desire to do that. And I thought, well, that is so weird. It's like the worst day ever to want to be on the beach, let alone outside anywhere. And I was curious about that. And then I realized, oh, picking up sea glass is my favorite thing to do when I'm spending time alone with God. And I realized that when in celebrating, when we can't rejoice, we are remembering. We are remembering who God is. We are recalling His faithfulness. We're recalling His character. And when you look at celebration in the Old Testament, where all those beautiful feasts and festivals that even you just mentioned in Nehemiah are outlined— we see that they don't happen as a reaction. They don't happen when the Israelites were in the mood to celebrate or when they had finished their work or because there was time or because they'd saved enough money. They happen in rhythm because it's time to do so. And that connects celebration In that light, we see celebration as a rhythm of remembering God's faithfulness and goodness and not a reaction or a reward for our own goodness. And that is what celebration looks like when we feel like we can't rejoice. Sometimes it just looks like remembering. I love celebrations when they're you know, when we get to celebrate a change in circumstances or, or good news, but sometimes it looks like celebrating a God who doesn't change. Hmm. Wow, that's so good. Friends, I just can't suggest it enough. What if it's wonderful? It's available everywhere. Amazon. We'll share in our show notes how you can follow Nicole and just follow along with her good work. I got to ask again, just to follow up. How can we be praying for you now? <laughs> and if you sit out another great book, I'm just going to be thrilled. I'm just telling you. If your prayers can another amazing book, just bring it. I can't wait. Oh, I would love I would love the opportunity to write more if, if God gives me that. I think my prayer today is just that I would step into this message and put my own weight on it too. This is still something that I am working on. I'll share. It's not my natural bent. 
I love having friends like you where celebration comes a little more naturally. (laughs) But I said the other day that it's a book that has changed my life. And that's absolutely true. But I think what's more accurate is it's a book that's changing my life. And these practices are things that I am practicing each and every day. So just that I would continue to be expectant for what God's going to do through this message. Yeah. Oh, well, we're so grateful for you. This book is going to change and be changing us. Nicole, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me, friend. I just love you. Hey friend, Caroline from Team Go and Tell Gals here. Listen, if you're a woman on mission and you want to make your calling about the good of others and the glory of God, we're really praying that you'll join us for six weeks of coaching, community, experts, and life change in Go Teams. Go Teams is our signature six-step group coaching program and it just opened for registration this week. Spots are filling fast, so if you're looking to make a move or find momentum in your calling, this is for you. You can use the code on your team for $100 off registration now. This is the first and final time we are opening Go Teams this year, and I just can't encourage you enough. Now is the time. Step into all that God has called you to, and we'll help you along the way. Join Go Teams at the link in the show notes. All right, we know it might seem like we just can't stop talking about Go Teams, but it's because we're so passionate about the life change that comes from them. Like Caroline just said, Go Teams are our signature coaching groups designed for women called to writing, small business, ministry, and speaking or podcasting. Go Teams includes six weeks of coaching sessions, including seven sessions with Jess Connolly and one session with an industry expert, plus a community of like-minded women and homework, action steps, recommended reading, and total access to the Go and Tell Gals team for absolutely any questions you have along the way. Registration for Go Teams is open now for only one time this year. We wanted to dedicate the last couple minutes of this episode so that you could hear from a handful of the incredible women who have been through Go Teams themselves. We want you to hear about their experience from them firsthand. Keep listening to hear from Liz Cox, OG Tayo, Nikki Morelli, and Liz Lavoie about what Go Teams meant to them. Hey y'all, I'm Liz Cox and I am an alum of Go Teams. I actually did it twice. I did the writing track and the podcasting track and I could go on all day long about why I love Go Teams from the incredible community. I still am in touch with several people that were in my groups that have become dear friends and have been just champions for me and all that I'm doing and vice versa to the incredible value of all of the education and coaching and guiding that is given to us by Jess and her team. I love these women. I love what they have built. I love that the kingdom is growing and will look more vibrant and abundant and beautiful because of the work that not only is being done in the hearts of lives of the people that do go teams by women on the team, but because of the businesses and the ministries and the podcasts and the books and the speaking engagements that women are going to go out and do because of the investment they made in Go Teams. I just get so excited just knowing how much God is at work because of Go Teams. So if you're on the fence, hop on over. It's worth every penny. (laughs) If you've been longing for equipping to know what the next step is, whether in small business or ministry or writing, or if you're a full-time mom 
like me, who has several talents, has worked and is now home and just figuring out how do I use my gifts in this season? Go Teens is for you. Signups are open now, so grab your spot and just watch God transform and lead you on your next step. I was really hesitant to join Go Teams because of fear and inadequacy. But I'll never forget that moment when I submitted a question to Jess Connolly during an Instagram Live all about Go Teams. I asked about calling and how to know if this was actually really for me. She answered in such a helpful way. She simply said, if you're good at something, you enjoy it, and it serves others, why wouldn't you do it? So that day I signed up, and I'm so grateful that I did. For these two specific reasons. One, I'm thankful that the coaching sessions were biblical and practical. I was not only encouraged, but also equipped. So right after Go Teams ended, I finally started my email newsletter, and pretty soon I'll be celebrating the one-year anniversary. I don't know if I ever would have actually started it without the coaching of Jess and our other coaching experts. Secondly, I'm thankful that Go Teams connected me with a community of many other women from all over the country. These women are also running on mission and love writing too. It's been a year and we still try to plan Zoom hangouts each month to offer accountability, encouragement, support, prayer, and more. Hi, my name is Nikki Morelli and I've done Go Teams twice. I've done the small business as well as ministry Go Teams. In both times, I was in a different phase of life and I felt God calling me into something, but I wasn't exactly sure what to do next or what that looked like. So I took the step to sign up for Go Teams and it really was just the most life-giving experience. You get so much valuable information and coaching from Jess Connolly and industry experts and all of the go and tell gals. And it just really helped me personally understand who I was serving, which was so important. It not only helped me in my business and ministry, but also just in my everyday life. And when you sign up for Go Teams, you also just get this community of women who aren't afraid to rally around each other, to encourage each other, cheer each other on, pray for each other, and just be for each other. So it really is just such a life-giving experience, and I'm so, so grateful for it. All right, there you have it, friends. We pray that hearing firsthand from these women was enlightening. Whether you're just starting out or are deep in the thick of it, Go Teams are there for you. Don't forget, we want to be on your team. Use the code on your team. That's O-N-Y-O-U-R-T-E-A-M all one word, for $100 off your GoTeams registration now. Spots are limited, and this is the only time we're holding GoTeams in 2022. We don't want you to miss them. Learn more or sign up at the link in the show notes. You are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. You can find us at goandtellgals.com online or go and tell gals on Instagram or Facebook. We would be so honored if you had a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this episode, share it with your friends and let us know that you're listening. We're so grateful for you. God is mighty in you.